Hello and welcome to the Odds Checker betting show sponsored by 888 Sport. I'm your host, George Ellick, and this is the Dublin Racing Festival Saturday preview. Stay tuned to hear which horse Rory DeLaghi thinks can take on the top two in the juvenile hurdle. That could have gone either way and probably an error at the last was the difference between victory and defeat. In the Irish Arkle, there's one that Andy thinks should be favourite but is currently 11-4. to 4. Yeah, I mean, I, I wouldn't be ever writing chases off nowadays. One horse that Andy says he's looking forward to seeing more than any other over the weekend. He'll just run him into the ground, this fella. He's an absolute, complete and utter monster. They will not know what's hitting them with this horse. An 888 Sport ambassador, Barry Garrity, tells us why he thinks this weekend could be the time to take on Honeysuckle. I think if ever there was a day where she's vulnerable, it could be this day. Yeah, great as ever to have Odds Checker's very own tipster, Andy Holding, and tipster Rory Delaghi here as well. Ahead of, I mean, it's two great days racing. We, we all, Andy, get so excited in the build-up towards the Cheltenham Festival is so massive these days, but six weeks before, you've got you've got a couple of the best days racing you could possibly ask for. Yeah, I agree, yeah. I, I think this meeting has become so significant now in the National Hunt landscape that it's almost, you can't have a bet or a confident bet in any of the big races um, in, in another five weeks' time without reviewing this meeting uh, very stringently. Um, we had so many horses that won and doubled up last year, even horses that didn't win or were down the field came on and, and turned the form around and went on to win at the festival. So it's it's definitely worked um, from the days when it was just like a trial and error kind of thing. Um, obviously, the ground's been an issue. Certain horses aren't coming here because they, they don't want to, connections don't want to risk their horses on the, on, on the surface, but they've done as about as well as they can under the circumstances, pumped loads of water on, got it to yielding ground, by and large, the fields have stood up relatively well. Could have done with a few more here, there and everywhere. I think Sunday's meeting will be a little bit more competitive numerically than it, it is Saturday, but we've just got the quality all the way through. So uh, very much looking forward to it. Rory, same for you. Yeah, very much. Um, this is a, the the, um, the races that sort of comprised this meeting when they were on on different weekends uh, were always hugely important to the uh, to the festival, and it's just been bolstered a little bit. Um, since the Dublin Racing Festival was was uh, conceived, and it's um it's it's a hugely important meeting. Um, you know, it's almost like this is this is where the proper study starts. Um, mm. you get involved in this first, and then you start crystallising your thoughts for Cheltenham, unless you've been clever enough to find massively overpriced horses before now. <laughs> I think this time next year we should make a, a vow now that we record this episode in a pub in Dublin uh, ahead of the festival before going together. I think that's, well, that's yeah. a good idea. Great yeah, idea. I yeah. Think, yeah. I'll speak to the lads. Uh, But before we get into the main bulk of the show, uh, before we get into the action, just want to point the listeners and viewers in the direction of Odds Checkers Cheltenham Super Service. We're doing the hard yards for you this year. And in the lead up to the festival, that means getting you the news that matters, exclusive insight from our experts like Andy himself and the latest book he offers as they're released into your inbox all you need is an email address and you can find the link to sign up in the YouTube description below or wherever you're listening to this podcast. I, you know, if you're listening to this or you're watching this, it is an absolute must do, I would say, in the run up to the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, also, 
as ever, going to point you in the direction of the Odds Checker app. Download it now. We're going to be talking in terms of the best prices available on the app here. The best bookie offers free bets. Uh, place terms going to be crucial as well. And, of course, Andy Holding and plenty other tips. This is uh, selection straight through to the app every morning of racing. I'm not sure tipsters is, is a real word, but let's move on pretty quickly. And this is the Saturday preview of the Dublin Racing Festival. There is going to be a Sunday preview, which we're going to be recording tomorrow. So keep your eyes out for that. It's five to five recording time here. So it is Thursday getting into evening time. We have the final decks as it stands at the moment. Um, and let's get cracking with the first on the seven race cards. It is the Novice Hurdle where Hollow Games is the nine to four favorite ahead of uh, what do we want at 11 to two. Grand Jury, six to one. Manella Kroonas, 13 to two alongside Bron. Eric Bloodax, seven to one. 14 to one. Manella Kakuna and 40 to one. Freedom to Dream. Over to resident novice hurdle expert, Andy Holding. Yeah, that said, you know, you've teamed it up quite nicely there. This, this is quite a tricky one. Um, I think the Lawlers of Nace is probably the, the the best guide coming into this uh, contest, obviously being a, being a grade one o- over the trip or similar to the trip, won by Ginto. And, of course, we've got several in this race um, uh, reposing, um, most notably Grand Jury, Hollow Games, and, and What Do You Want? What Do You Want was probably one of the best backed horses in that race, if, if not the best. But he rather fluffed his lines. Um, it was a big ask, I suppose, winning a maiden hurdle in the manner he did and, and in a fast time to perhaps go into grade one company. But Willie Mullins thought he was um, good enough to do so. And a lot of people jumped onto the bandwagon. But unfortunately, he got squeezed out coming out the back straight and lost a lot of ground. And by the time he'd made the ground back up again, I think he was probably about half a length down, jumping the last. That effort to get there and ultimately cost him. And he ended up fading um quite timely into fifth but i think he's probably better than that i'm not sure who's going to ride him because at the moment we've got paul townend on bron we've got danny mullins who's ridden him before when he won the maiden hurdle on minella um at kakuna i, I presume it'll be darrow o'keefe which if it is he, he probably needs to um regather his thoughts from how he rode him last time out but it, it's significant to me that willie mullins and connections are having another go here with uh, what do you want you know, they, they could have easily copped out and took the easy man's route and, and looked for a smaller race or maybe waited for a handicap at the Cheltenham Festival or something of that nature. But they're, they're pitching him back into grade one company again and having another go. Um, so it wouldn't surprise me if he bounced back. Of, of those two I mentioned earlier on, Hello Games, I think he's probably the most likely to come out on top over the extra trip. He looked as over for all the world in the Wallolas of Nace that another two furlongs would suit him better, arguably, than Grand Jury. He's been well back for the Albert Barlett. I presume that's going to be his target rather than go along with Stab and Companion Ginto in the um, the Ballymore at the Cheltenham Festival. Uh, I think he's probably the right favourite on balance. You took in the likes of Bron, as I mentioned, and, and the other two Mullins, uh, the other Mullins Horse and, and Manella Crooner. Uh, it's it's a cracking little race. Hopefully, all dead eight runners stand their ground because that'd be a great uh, betting race to start off the meeting. Like I say, if forced at this very moment in time, I'm prepared to give what do you want one more go because I think he's a good deal better than what he showed at um, Nice last time out. What do you want? 11 to 2, second favourite at the moment, as Andy says, eight runners as it stands. Uh, but if one does come out, even after you've had your bet, it will be cut to a quarter of the two. So be wary of that, uh, Rory. 
Yeah, let's now Andy's Andy summed it up really well. This is not an easy race to get involved in, but you do have that strong form line from the Lawlers of Nice and the first three, uh, not the, 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 the three who chased the um, uh, the winner gentle home um, meeting again. And um, it, yeah, it's, it's going to be very informative to see how they come out. Um, I th- I'm inclined to um, to give a chance to prove and stare here. Um, Hollow Games will clearly benefit from stepping up to two mile six again because he's a winner over that trip already. Uh, but a horse he will definitely stay all day is Eric Bloodaxe. Um, now he's marginally behind um, the principles from the Lauders of Nice um, on collateral form. Um, but he did improve to win, stepped up to two mile seven at uh, Limerick over Christmas. And Joseph O'Brien's in better form now than he was then. The yard had been quiet for a while. Um, he did have a couple of winners over Christmas, but but the runners in the last fortnight have been running very well indeed. Uh, I think there's there's none of the top yards are getting winners at the same kind of rate as Joseph is. It's very interesting. Eric Bloodaxe wears um, a tongue tie for the first time here as well, um, because he finished pretty strongly at uh, Limerick. There didn't seem to be any issue with that. My concern with him is that um, he, he probably wants a really well-run race at three miles to show his best, and he's an he's an obvious Albert Bartlett horse in this race. And I remember getting involved in a similar horse last year in this race, Vanillier, who was Mm. Well beaten, and then went on and won the Albert Parfit afterwards. And maybe that's what I'm falling for again with Eric Bloodaxe. But um, I, I wouldn't really fancy him at two and a half. And I just hope that over two miles six, they get a, um, a strong pace to run up. There should be there should be plenty of um, plenty of <clears> pace <throat> in the race. I would have thought. You know, Braun made the running last time out, and is liable to go forward again. Um, Manella Kakuna has gone forward before, and you know Willie these days tends not to mess around tactically with it. Uh, with his runners in good races. If he's got a horse he thinks is capable of making the running at a good pace, he won't set a slow pace. He'll, he'll send them off at a um, at a strong gallop. So we should have a strongly run race here. Um, Eric Bloodaxe might just lack the gear of one or two, gears of one or two, but I think he's a solid each way um, selection in here for a yard that's in very good form at the moment. Eric Bloodaxe, seven to one, best price at the moment, the one for Rory. What do you want? The one 11 to two, eight runners, a couple of nice each way prices there. For the first on then to the 135 a fascinating race uh, both in itself and also ahead of the triumph at Cheltenham in a few weeks time uh, Fidor and Vauban the 13 to 8 joint favourites with a car Allen 7 to 1 uh, the tide turns 10 to 1 Ben Siegel 16 to 1 40 to 1 bar now I mentioned the triumph here because Rory we've got Pied Piper at the top end of the triumph market after that win at Cheltenham on Saturday a couple of interesting sound bites with Gordon Elliott after the race saying that he still has Fedor as the better horse at home you've got Patrick Martins talking about Vauban then being convinced that he's better than Pied Piper Pied Piper tops the market <laughs> it's all kind of hard to make sense of how do you see who do you think comes out on top here and is it easy enough just to say it's a match between the two no I, I it should be on paper but I'm not sure it's quite as simple as that um the races that we've seen Fieldor in so far haven't been enormously conclusive in terms of exactly how good he is. Um, he's been um, he's been a warm favourite for them all. He's done it nicely. You wouldn't really crab him for what he's done. The only issue you would have um, about the the races he's been <clears> in, um, Grade Three at Ferry House, uh, Grade Two at Christmas last last year, were strong races last season, but I, they just look weaker to me, uh, considerably weaker to me this time around. Um, and it's difficult to know exactly how high you would put uh, Fieldor. Um, but at the same time, it's difficult to, to say that you must oppose him because it's not his fault if, um, if his opposition hasn't come up to scratch. But he hasn't yet proven it conclusively against um, something we know to be high class, and he's going to have to do that now um, against uh, uh, Vauban. 
um, Vuban ran really well when second um, to um, to Pied Piper last time out. That could have gone either way, and probably an error at the last was the difference between victory and defeat for Vuban. But the pair of them really sprinted to the line from the last hurdle. It was impressive how they did that. And that's probably, even though that was just a, um, uh, a maiden hurdle, probably as strong as any of the graded races we've seen uh, over hurdles in Ireland this season for the juveniles. Uh, and Vauban looks a um, uh, looks a, um, a big test for the favourite here. A bit of a concern that a tongue tie goes on um, for the first time here. Also a slight concern that he wouldn't have the typical Willie Mullins profile. You know, he was he was racing in the summer for his... Um, uh, for his uh, his previous yard, and he wouldn't have the break that Willie normally gives them before building them up again, um, aiming towards the festival. And also, Willie's got a slightly mixed record with his um, uh, with his juveniles over the years as well. So um, there's a little bit of a question about how well he comes out of that race at Punchestown, but it looks very good form now, given what Pied Piper did at Cheltenham. I've I've got slight concerns about that form. I think the I think the the um, the English horses on offer and that um, that finesse at Cheltenham were just a a poor bunch to be honest but mm. Pied Piper won with his head in his chest and clearly could be anything I was inclined here difficult to choose between the front two in the market and they're both short prices I was inclined to look for an each way bet against them um and the horse that I like and I know we I think we discussed this horse on the Christmas uh, podcast as well who wasn't actually declared uh for that night Frank hurdle um at Leperstown is Ben Siegel now he's got lots to find on form but visually he was really impressive on his debut at Punchestown showed a um uh, really good jumping technique, uh, great enthusiasm for what he was doing and a willing attitude um, in going to win that. Now, it's very easy to, to drive holes in the form. It was just a big field maiden hurdle at Punchestown, but he impressed me with, with the way he went about it. And he's a proven winner in the flat. Now, he didn't have the class of one or two of these on the level. Um, he was a winner of 55 and 59, but when he was given a chance to win races, he did. Um, and I like that in a prospective hurdler. So I think he'll step up a fair bit from that. And I think he'll be, um, I think he'd be a player here. Whether he's as good as the front two in the market um, is hard to hard to say and hard to justify. Um, but I think he's, as long as we get um, uh, enough of them going to post to justify each way betting, and there's nine at the moment, so you've got a little bit of leeway there. I think he's a decent each way bet. He's around 16 to one, mm. uh, which appeals to me. Yeah, 16 to 1, best price with our sponsors, 888 Sport. Ben Siegel there in the second, the 135 at Leopardstown. Uh, Andy? Yeah, um, this um, division has um, caused me quite a, a bit of pain and heartache throughout the um, <laughs> course of the year so far. It, it, it's the race I like betting in the most, uh, or one of the races I, I follow and look to um, try and back the winner in most, most years. Um, if I miss the boat from an anti-post perspective, I'm, I'm always looking to um, get it right on the day itself. It's just a race I really like. I've always wanted to own the winner or have a runner good enough to be in the race. Um, had one many years ago called Brother Glenn, who finished an honourable fifth behind Tiger Roll. And my appetite was whetted, and I'm certainly going to look to have another one somewhere down the line. Um, if I can find the right um, syndicate to back back the uh, the purchase price, as it were. But um, <laughs> anyway, enough enough of my um, personal. Um, <laughs> Um, kind of thoughts on the race. Um, yeah, it's, Phil Dawes, as, as Rory said, he, he's done little wrong and he's hard to crab, you know, three for three, very impressive in all his three wins. I've, I've gone on record saying on this podcast quite a few times that his numbers haven't really added up to anything yet. Um, so I think for him to justify or be close towards the top of the betting, he's got to do something this weekend to 
back that up finally. And I think he will because this race often throws up a good number just because it's the most competitive juvenile race run either side of the RHC. It's a grade one. You usually get the best Irish horses in it and they often go a good gallop. Kilixios, of course, won it last year and he went on to win the Triumphurdle off the back of a good time figure. I don't think we've got a Kilixios or Zana uh, here in this race this year. Certainly up to now that the Irish haven't been anywhere near as good other than Pied Piper the other day. Um, so let's see what this lot can do. Obviously, Vorban represents that form line, as, as Rory's pointed out. And he's almost favourite via default now because everyone thought, oh, you know, Pied Piper looks the best, so he must surely beat Phil Dorr, but I don't think it's going to be as quite as straightforward as that. I actually think uh, William Mullins' other horse has got a half a squeak, Iker Allen. Um, he was looking only workmanlike at best when he jumped the last year the, day, the other day here over the Christmas period, but he powered clear from the, from, from the last to the line. And I've noticed that two horses uh, recently both come out and frank the form. Mano Work, who finished seventh, beat nine lengths. He won at um, Nace the weekend. And Justizalism, the 11th horse, beat 37 lengths. He won the other day. So there's a bit of substance to that form. He's a course and distance winner, and he's a nice each way prize. But the other horse I put up in my Try and Fertile column the other day, unfortunately, I fell foul of the first one being a Paul Nichols train horse. I didn't realise how badly that form Paul <laughs> Nichols horses were when Isio ran at Cheltenham the other mm. day. And, and ran like a bit of a went out like a damp squib. But the other one I put up was Ben Sigal at a big price. Um, he, the fact that I think connections of last year's Boodles winner, Jeff Kidder, won with his horse first time out, and straight away they thought, right, okay, this is a grade one horse rather than a, a handicap project. And he hasn't run for 74 days subsequently. Tells you all you need to know, really. They're, they're obviously quite keen on getting a horse who they believe is good enough to be a triumph horse to at least justify their belief and, and, and the fact that he might well be a triumph, a bit of triumph of triumph hurdle material. And um, the ground will suit him as well. He's a, he's a real good ground horse, certainly on the flat. Um, his time figure from his victory at Punchestown was very good. Um, so what is it, 16 to 1 top price? Mm. That is definitely over overpriced as far as I could see. So I'm, I'm with Rory here. We're both on the same horse at the same price, 16 to 1 each way, Ben Segal. Love that. 16 to 1 double uh, against the top two in the field. They're nine run at the moment. Let's pray that at least eight go to post at 1.35 on Saturday. Uh, Andy, we'll stick with you for the Irish Arkle. Um, but before we do, uh, I was lucky enough to have a chat with the great man, 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty. We look back at last weekend's racing. We have a chat about the, the race we've just discussed there and, and ahead to the triumph. And looking ahead to this weekend's racing, both at Leopardstown and a couple of his fancies at Sandown too. Yes, always a good time of the week to be joined by 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Geraghty to have a look back at the weekend's racing from last weekend that we spoke about then. And then also casting a glance ahead at what's coming up. And, and Barry, we've got to start with a couple of horses that you know very well. We previewed their races last weekend, but let's start with Chantry House, who bounced back from that disappointing defeat on Boxing Day with a victory. What did you make of the manner of that win and where does that leave him ahead of the festival? Yeah, I suppose it was workmanlike. Um, it would be hard to, I suppose, get excited on the back of that. Um, if you look at the form, you could make a case. Obviously, Santini was second. He was second in a Gold Cup a couple of years ago. Um, we had back in third, we had uh, Irate, um, who had won the rehearsal, but that was back in November. But then you had Cato Rico, back and forth, who was only 11 lengths behind him. He's rated 139 and pulled mm. up last time out. So you could you could make a case both ways, but I think we'll need to see a, a Chantry House put up a lot 
bigger performance if he's going to be involved in the Gold Cup. So he, he needs to bounce back from this. Um, he is a very good horse, as he's shown in the past. He's a due grade one winner. Um, having run disappointedly before that in his previous start um, behind Fusil Raffles as a novice last season. So he has the capability, but I don't think we saw that on Saturday. No, uh, and another incredible race at Cheltenham on Saturday um, was the Cleave Hurdle. And you've said a couple of times when we've chatted over the last couple of months, do not rule out Paisley Park, don't rule out Paisley Park. Paisley Park could return to form. And wow, what an incredible performance uh, from the Cheltenham favourite uh, ahead of the stayers, beating champ, coming from absolutely miles back uh, to put in that incredible performance we've seen so many times from him. Where does that leave him in your mind for the stayers uh, and where you know how big a, a dent in champs um hopes for for march is that too well i think there's a few after being dented in the last week with classical dream mm. getting turned over and going as well so that the stairs hurdle market has got turned on its head completely um and then champ obviously getting beaten by paisley park who, who gave champ a dozen lengths of a head start and the lead horse is probably 15 lengths um so it was a serious performance by Paisley Park um, and Liz Nagar Oscar, who finished third, he would be the slight little question mark over this because he had pulled up behind Champ and Ascot. So it's, it may not have been as strong a race as you might have liked. I think Champ way underperformed. Paisley Park obviously put in a brilliant performance and it's hard to gauge how good he was because he gave away so much ground and had to you know, claw that back and, and, and won, won really well in the debt. But it was definitely a step in the right direction for him. I think he loves Cheltenham. Um, stay on track, slow ground is ideal for him. So it's it was it's interesting, but I think it's still a very open race. I wouldn't draw a line through Classical Dream just yet. Um, you saw how Willie Mullins got Alaho back after his tough race in the John Durk and to win really impressively in Torless. So he can he can possibly get that get him back. And I think Champ, he has the ability as he showed in Ascot, and I think he'd be brave to rule him out. Um, so it, it's it's a very tricky race, but Paisley Park is back in the picture. Um, but I wouldn't have him a clear favourite ahead of, of, of maybe what has disappointed. They have a chance. And then you have Florent Porter, who we haven't seen, and he he's he's possibly the one to beat because he hasn't been out to lot his copybook. He's last year's winner. He is he won as a six year old, he's now seven. So with that age on the side, he's still open to improvement. Um, and they were well clear of the third when he was second to classical dream. So it, it's it's very interesting. There's a lot of angles. I suppose Florian Porter is the one with the strongest form. Um, I just the Cheltenham race at the weekend, Liz Nagar Oscar just holds a slight little question mark. Mm. Albeit he is a stairs hurdle winner as well. Yeah, well, looking at the market quickly before we move on, Florian Porter is now the seven to two favourite ahead of Time Hill at five to one. It feels like basically not running is the way to make your make your way up to the top end of this market. Uh, Champ is six to one, Classical Dream thirteen to two, Paisley Park seven to one. Royal Kahala 14 to 1. Uh, at those prices, you know, Champ's still a shorter price than, than Paisley Park, despite being beaten uh, at course, um, at the course on, on Saturday. Where would you see the value being now? Yeah, I suppose maybe each way value in Paisley Park. He's, he's probably more consistent than Champ. Champ, who ran such a great race and has come back in the games for it last year, and then he never showed up in the Gold Cup. That's what I was mm. slightly afraid of going into this weekend. He needs to back up his run, and he hasn't. Is he going to bounce back from that? Um, Paisley Park, albeit he has disappointed at the festival, he probably is more consistent. So he, he's, he's more likely to be involved. But I think the right horse is favourite, Florian Porter. As I mentioned, with his age profile, he should be only just coming to, um, you know, he's only coming to his peak now, I think. 
maybe the most striking performance on Charles Day at Cheltenham on Saturday was from Pied Piper. You mentioned to me last week that you were very excited to see Pied Piper run. Uh, later on, Andy Holding said he was very much looking forward to seeing ICO run. That's definitely 1-0 to Geraghty in that, in, in that match. Uh, what a performance from Pied Piper. We, I mean, how, how does that rank in your mind uh, in terms of looking ahead to the triumph? Well, I'm not sure about 1-0 with Andy. I'd say Andy's probably a few, <laughs> a few goals ahead of me at this stage. So I got a clawed one back. Um, you'd have to be so impressed with Pied Piper. Um, improved a lot um, from his first run. He was more relaxed. He jumped better. Um, it was it was mentioned beforehand and after that he expected, Gordon expected a big improvement in fitness and I think in racing as well. So it was it was a very polished performance, and you could say he, he probably beat the best of what England has and beat them easily. Um, where he goes from here, I'm not so certain. Um, he would look like he's the triumph order written all over him, um, but the stable mate Fedor is the danger possibly in the triumph order with the same owner. So there's going to be a bit of deciding to be done there. Um, you would say possibly Pipe Park if or Pipe Piper if the Wart considered the supreme, he he probably has more speed than Fedor. So he, that could be an option for him. But the Supreme, I'm not sure we've ever seen a stronger one. So it's a bit of a head scratcher for everyone, I'd imagine. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. But they're two very smart horses, and I think they're right two at the head of the market. Yeah, it's, a, it's an easy segue into Saturday's racing in the Dublin Racing Festival because the second race on the card sees two of those uh, protagonists for the triumph at the top end of the market, the 135, uh, the juvenile hurdle, Fedor 13 to 8, Vauban 13 to 8. They can't split them. Um, Ikar Allen 7 to 1, the tide turns 10 to 1, 16 to 1 bar. And there are so many different threads to this, Barry, where you've got. You've got Gordon Elliott saying at home Fedor is the better horse. You've got Patrick Munnins telling people they reckon Vauban is ahead of Pied Piper. But then you've got Pied Piper putting in that kind of performance on Saturday. What do you make of this race coming up on Saturday? And do you think whoever wins out of Fedor and Vauban will, will muscle their way to the top end of the of the triumph market? Um, I'm not so certain. Um, I think... Um... Vaughan being second to Pied Piper, I'd say there was a massive improvement in Pied Piper from that Punchestown race. Um, so I don't think you can take that form literally. Um, mm. I think what he did in Cheltenham was probably £10 better than Punchestown. So is that improvement there in Vaboon? I'm not sure we'll find out on Saturday. But he's he's had one run over hurdles and he's taken on a horse who's won all three starts and been very impressive. Um, he's also, um, for me, Fedor is a horse who races behind the bridle. He saves plenty, only does as much as he has to do. So you're not really certain what he has in the locker because he could have an awful lot left there. He definitely isn't running on empty anyway, so there's a bit in the tank. Um, I Fedor would be the one for me in this race. I think Baboon will have to be very smart to beat him. Um, as I said, at the Pied Piper form, I wouldn't just take that literally. Being within a half length of him doesn't necessarily mean He's still within a half length of him. Fedor, the one for Barry there, 13 to 8, best price at the moment. Uh, we'll look at the Irish Arkle, where Blue Lord is the 13 to 8 favourite ahead of Riviere de Tell. Horton Color, St. Sam, making up the four protagonists, a couple of big prices as well, making up the six runner fields. Uh, how do you see this? This is a brilliant race. Um, Blue Door is a horse they've loved. Um, all the way through the season, he's jumped brilliant. He's more relaxed as well, which he's a very keen going horse over hurdles. He um, fell in the in the Supreme when he was going to be second to appreciate it a long way second, but he was going to be second. So he has a good level of form over hurdles, but the fact he relaxes so well and jumps so well, I think that really stands to him. So he is a worthy favourite. 
Um, it's going to be very interesting. Obviously, um, Fernie Hollow was the original article favourite for the festival, and he's out. But we have a line here through Riviera to tell, and that was a good performance from her um, in Leprosome the last day. She she receives two pound less of an allowance this time. Um, she has her mayor's allowance, but her 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 age allowance is cut back by two. So she's she's her allowance is reducing, but she has a very good level of form, as I say. Um, she's a lot of experience too. Where the other two dangers, Ion Calor and Saint Sam, both impressive, both jump well, but Leopardstown and your second run over fences in a grade one is a big ask. Um, but they don't have the choice. They need to get in the experience to go for the festival. And um, I think as I said, Blue Lord is, is definitely the right favourite and the one to beat. But Riviera de Tell would be the one of interest just to get a line of form in Fernie Hollow. Um, she ran a big rest the last day and I say she has the experience. So um, it's going to be interesting. That's a really competitive race. Um, but I do like Blue Lord. I think he's a very good horse. Yeah, all eyes to that after the, the news of Fernie. Well, ahead of the the Arkle over in March over this time. Uh, be interesting to see who comes out on top. And then look at the the Gold Cup as well, an incredibly competitive Irish Gold Cup here with Frodon and Kemboy, the two joint favourites ahead of Manella Indo and Asterion Falange. I have a feeling, knowing your forgiving nature, Barry, you're going to tell us that this is where Manella Indo bounces back. I would have thought that, but Henry de Romans had one winner for the month of January. Mm. So that would be the concern. Um, he's coming back after 41 days since the King George. He was very, Henry made no no secret of it. He said he was a wreck coming home from Kempton. You know, the horse was very shook. So he, you know then he, he's done very little for the first couple of weeks and he's probably only trained them gently since then. So I can't, I wouldn't think he's going to be tuned to the level that Frodon will, but he is the best horse in the race. So he's got a couple of question marks. One, Henry's horse's farm and two is his fitness level. So you go back then, what, what will win it? Um, steering for launch, it's hard to make a case for him. He was very empty when he fell in the King George, very tired horse. So I'm not fully convinced he'll get the trip. Kenboy loves around here. Throwed on fourth in the King George. He beat Manila Indo um, in Down Royal. I would be inclined to go at course form, maybe go at Kenboy. He ran well the last day behind Galvin. He is a good horse. Um, Throwed on, I think, is better, is well suited by Kempton. Um, he was very fit in Down Royal when he beat Manila Indo, who would have needed the run, and Galvin likewise. And Galvin was gr- on ground that was snored and ideal for him. So I would just slightly side with, with Kemboy over Frodon. But I'm just really curious to see what Manila Indo does. But is it, for me, there's a big question mark over the. With, with it being such a big weekend mm. um, and Henry's horses, the form, there are some of them around him well. He, he, as I say, you need one winner for the month of January. So it's, it's they're just not. They're not winning with the with the frequency you'd like to see them win with. No, but although never, you know, class always, class is permanent as we know, and it won't be long before Henry is back in the winners. I've got no doubt about that. Um, we are focusing here on Leopardstown, but there is some good racing over at Sandown as well, Barry, and you've got a couple of fancies over there on Saturday too. Yeah, so uh, the, the contenders hurdle on Saturday, and you have um, you obviously Gush and Garda Dreams and Sound for Someone at the top. Mm. Goshen who ran a, a I suppose you could say a reasonable race in Linkfield last time he hung desperate badly and Jamie did brilliantly on him. Um, he's back going his preferred direction. He's going right-handed, but he's back in trip and he's two mile on what they call a good to soft ground. So it's not ideal for him. Garrett to dream and sound for someone who were uh, first and second in the international hurdle. And I felt Hunter's call should have bet them that day. He travelled by far the best. 
He looked the winner and he got outstayed. So he's back the two mile again here against those two. Um, he ran in Haydock behind Tommy's Oscar last time, just two weeks ago. Um, and I just feel Haydock was too sharp for him. Too quick a track. Um, I think Sandon's going to suit him. Ground is ideal. He's outside on the field. The only negative for me would be that it's 14 days since Haydock. But mm. he's he's 12 year old. Um, he's, and he's likely raced because he's had a lot of injury. But he's a smart horse. He won the good hurdle in Ascot a few years back. Um, I think he's been completely ignored for a horse that should have beaten the two at the head of the market on uh, two starts ago. Interesting stuff. Uh, any others at Sandown or should we move on to Sunday at, at, over in at Leopardstown? Yeah, I just think on the ground as well. And the chase track is given good. Uh, the hurdle track is watered during the summer, so it's, it always rides a, a bit slower. The chase track is better. I would go with uh, Pictori if it's a mm. match with Pictori and Lahan Press. I just think the ground is the difference. Pictori showed great pace when he won in Ascot. And Lahan Press, he was a very good winner in Cheltenham. I would imagine he loves a bit of juice in the ground, as a lot of Venetians can do. So I would uh, I would oppose Lahan Press with Pic- uh, Pictori. Pictori, 15 to 8 best price as it stands. That is in the, the 2.20 uh, at Sandown on Saturday. Now, by this, we'll hopefully be going out uh, on Thursday evening. So this might date quite quickly. But for those quick off the mark, a bit of insight for you now. Let's look at the um, the Irish champion hurdle on Sunday. And do you think if there's ever a time, if there could possibly ever be a time to uh, to doubt Honeysuckle, could this be it? Well, that's just, I'm, it'll be interesting to see how Henry's horses fare out on Saturday. Um, she's a short price favourite. She's a very good mare. And as you mentioned earlier, George, class has a tendency to prevail. But that is a slight question mark over her. Um, Appreciated is, is here. We're not sure if he's going to be declared or not. If he is declared, you know he is fit because Willie would have another option, maybe the, the Red Mills hurdling Goran. So he's not going to take him here unless he's fit. He's a very good horse. His time in the Supreme was two seconds slower than the champion hurdle. And for a novice, that's good. The champion hurdle was around two hours later and Cheltenham dries like nowhere else. The ground was heavily watered for the first race. So I think he is a very, very good horse. And if he makes it to the champion hurdle with a run under his belt, he's the biggest danger to um, Honeysuckle. The other one, I believe as well, would be Zanahir. So this track, you're racing towards the outside for this meeting. Um, the ground is well watered as well. It's called. It's, they're just describing it as yielding, um, but the ground has been heavily watered in Leopardstown for a month on the lead up to Christmas, and has been watered continuously since. So it's going to be on the very much on the safe side, um, which is going to emphasize on stamina, which I think is going to suit Zana here. So, as I say, I'd be keeping an eye on how Henrys are running over the weekend. But I think if ever there was a day where she's vulnerable, it could be this day, and Zana here and appreciate would be the two for me. Santa here and appreciate it to take on uh, Honeysuckle. We will see all eyes on the final decks tomorrow. Uh, before we let you, you go, Barry, just to the 150 as well, the Dublin chase, Chuck and Poursois, another hoping for some home comforts to bounce back to some form. Uh, Grenatine, the closest contender, according to the market. Captain Guinness in there as well. Uh, do you think Chuck and Poursois will get it done? Well, if he returns to the form, that he, the level of form he's shown before, um, he had, um, you know, he was a very impressive winner in, at the Punchstone Festival last year. Um, so he, he has a very good level of form, but he's disappointed in Sandown on his last run. He was a non-runner at Christmas in Leopardstown. But if he turns up here, his ratings are 10 or 12 or more pound ahead of the, of the rest. So 
he is the best horse in the race. And if he if he produces anywhere near his best, he'll beat these. Grenatine is a good horse, but I think at the top level he just falls short. Captain Guinness probably just hasn't got there either. So to me, Shaq and Borsois, if he turns up at all, he'd be very hard to beat. Shaq and Borsois, hard to beat, just like you, Barry. Brilliant to have you on today and great as always to have a chat with you. Looking forward to speaking again next week. 888 Sport Ambassador Barry Garrity. Cheers, George. Thank you. Now, before we get back to Andy and Rory, let me remind you of something else from Odds Checker in the build-up to the Cheltenham Festival. Racing Weekly is our new show hosted by Rishi Passad and Sam Turner as they review the week just gone, look forward to the weekend racing ahead and tackle the biggest stories in the sport. In this week's Racing Weekly, the chaps were joined by Aidan Coleman, fresh from his monumental ride on Paisley Park. The next episode will see... Next episode will be out on Monday with special guest and racing TV pundit Johnny Ward. It'll be available on YouTube and wherever you download your podcasts. Yeah, great as ever to speak to Barry. And he, you could tell, was particularly excited by the prospect of this Irish Arkle with Blue Lord at 13 to 8. Favourite Riviere de Tell 11 to 4. Hot on Calore 4 to 1. St. Sam 5 to 1. Embittered 66 to 1. And Bustleton 66s. He looked to uh, want to take on Blue Lord with, with Riviera Tell, if any of them. Andy, how do you uh, do? You think Blue Lord is one uh, a favourite here to get with or get or get against? To probably get against. I, I'm 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 a bit surprised at how they bet this race. Um, I mean, Blue Lord's obviously very good. He he was a good novice last season, better than Riviera Tell. Um, albeit one was a juvenile, one was already you know a, a, a six year old. And and Blue Lord, you know, has done nothing wrong with his two starts, and, and his, his last run was a good run on the time figure. So, you know, there's plenty of things to like about his chances. But I think Riviere de Tell sets a fair fair standard here, and he, I think she should be favourite. I'm quite surprised that she's as big as eleven to four. I actually think when the the market opened up the other day, she was nine to two with some firms, which made absolutely no sense whatsoever. She's only a five to one shot to win the Arkle at Cheltenham, let alone win this race on the way. Um, I thought the other day. She got beat. She got beat fair and square on the day the way the race panned out. But I think it probably took connections by surprise. The fact that Fernie Hollow was so aggressively ridden, they probably thought, well, the one way to take her out of her comfort zone is to do what F- uh, Riviere de Tell likes to do herself, i.e. make the running. She's been very impressive every time that she's led, jumped well from the front. She's basically ran her opposition into the ground. So they had to rather adjust their game plan halfway down the back straight when Fernie Hollow was bombing along and they were absolutely flying in that race. They never mm. missed a beat. The time figure was absolutely off the charts. It was one of the best races um, I saw over the Christmas period. Two genuinely good novices, hammer and tongues around Leopardstown. And Riviere Detail just put down on a couple of jumps halfway down the back. I think the final ditch, she rather lost it. Alensi ran into the boards and rather danced her away across it. And it meant that she was always having to row against the tide and play catch-up against Fernie Hollow, who is a very, very good horse. Unfortunately, now Fernie Hollow is out for the season, but it also means now coming into this race, if they wanted to, they could easily go back and make the running with, with Riviera de Tell. Now, obviously, Willie Mullins will have something to say about that. He's got Oud de Colleur and St. Sam made the running last time to mix and match his, his tactics here and, and upset the Gordon Elliott mayor. But... I do think she's very, very talented. She's got the three fastest times that we've got on the book already, including that grade one run that last time out. We know she handles the track, and if she runs to her best, I think, as far as I could see, she's she's the one they all have to beat. So at 11-4 to 4 top price, 
I'd arguably say she's probably one of the better bets or my stronger views of the whole weekend. Well, you certainly are in the Riviera Tell fan club, as is Barry. Rory, can we give you a member's card as well, or is it, are you looking somewhere else? No, you can. You can. Uh, again, we had a similar chat about when she met um, uh, Fernie Hollow. I thought she should have been a bit shorter there, and we, we weren't mm. expecting that um, uh, she was going to get mugged quite the way she was, but she, she actually ran an, a, an enormous risk given that she wasn't able to dictate. Um, and uh, the, the only thing I'd add to what Andy said there is it's just it, if you've if you've um, uh, been able to dictate to others um, and gained your advantage by doing that, it's very difficult when someone suddenly takes that off you and does the same mm. thing because there was no chance of, of, um, of a, a change of tactics. And essentially, she still had to go forward. But you're always being dictated to in that scenario if a horse has got a length lead on you, unless you really push it and go faster than you should to get to the front, which ends up bursting you anyway then you're always sort of playing to their tune. Um, and um, that, that makes it difficult to, to express yourself fully. And that probably explains um, uh, one or two slightly, slightly um, uh, imperfect jumps. But even then, I think our jumping was fundamentally very, very sound on the day. Um, and it might have been interesting if they jumped the last fence that day, which they didn't because um, uh, one of Willie's absolutely destroyed it in the first circuit, uh, didn't he? Mm. To go far too early and, and, and smash the, uh, uh, the fence. Um, so that might have just given her a... a another bite of the cherry if she was able to throw a big leap in at the last but it doesn't really matter either way she met a better horse than blue lord there in fernie hollow uh, she gave him a, a real fright uh, the weight that she's getting now from the older horses is, is less there's only a two pound alliance now for um uh for the juveniles uh, at this stage of the season but that's um that's uh, i say juvenile but in chasing terms um that's not a massive worry here as andy says She's proven herself in graded company and she's done it in really well-run races and produced um, a couple of, of particularly good times. Um, and I, I think I, I'd say looking at the speed figures that I have, she, her best, her three best speed figures are the best three in the race. Um, and although she's precocious and therefore the others are maybe catching her up a little bit, I think she's, she's far enough ahead that you'd want to back her ahead of Blue Lord here. Um, maybe come the Oracle, it'd be a different kettle of fish. Um, but I think at this stage, as long as she can get that lead, and the only concern in this race would be that Willie has enough horses in here that he can um, uh, he can go after with sort of a, a, a pincer action, um, and and basically he can sacrifice one of his runners and send it send it after her or to try to lead from her at the start. But I think Jack Kennedy is going to be very well aware of that, um, and he knows that uh, w- what the spoiling tactics might be. So he'll he'll um, He'd be more on his toes than he was. I think he was expecting to be able to lead without having to try too hard um, over Christmas. He knows now that that's, that's a potential angle against him, and I think he'd just be that little bit wiser to it. And if he's able to jump the first in front, I think it'd be very hard to beat. Riviera to tell, getting the nod from both. We're going to have to find a way to split you two up. Hopefully a 24-runner handicap hurdle coming up next will, will be the way to do that. Um, the 2.45 now over three miles. And Panda Boy is just about favourite at 5-1, to one, ahead of Dunboyne at 11-2. to two. Good Time Johnny, 7-1. to one. Priory Park, 8-1. to one. A Great View, 12-1. to one. Future in Region, 12-1. Uh, to one. Right Pace, Right Time is currently 14-1, to one, but a Sea of Blue and a bit of 7-1 to one around uh, being very well backed. Unexpected Death, 14-1. to 16-1, to one, The Jam Man. And Enjoy Dallin, 18-1. Uh, to one. Bar, Andy, come to you first here. Yeah, this is almost like a, a rerun of the um, Pertems qualifier, isn't it? Um, with a lot of these horses already qualified, there hasn't probably got to be as much skullduggery going on as there was um, 
30 odd days ago. Um, I think Tracy's any score, he won this race a few years back and, and, and duplicated his win from the uh, from the Pertemps final. So it is it is um, possible that um, Panda Boy could, could follow up in, uh, from 39 days ago. He was really impressive um, that day, Panda Boy. Um, he stepped up markedly from his first run at Navin when he was a little bit uh, below par. And we know that Martin Brazel's horse is in great form, courtesy of Longo's Poet winning the Diestes the other day. He's quite a nice horse, our Panda Boy. Loads of scope, loads of size about him. Whether he'll go down the per route, I, I've no idea. But <clears throat> he's, a, he's a major player. The big eye catcher that day was Dumboyne. I think we almost got a, a, an insight into how Gordon Elliott um, campaigns his per qualifiers. If we didn't need, need to know already with the likes of Delta work and um, side of Burley, <clears throat> finishing sort of five, fifth or sixth just to get qualified, just to get into the Pertems qualifier. And then we see a totally different horse at the Cheltenham Festival and Dunboyne hasn't been missed by the bookmakers. I think he's anti-post favourite for the Pertems, even though he hasn't won at all uh, this season. So, so he's very much an interesting runner. And the other one that I throw into the mix is Good Time Johnny, who showed an amazing turn of foot to win um, here uh, over the same Christmas period. He didn't look like he was going to run down Mars Harper. Uh, but um, the turn of foot he showed on, uh, over two and a half miles is incredible. If he stays the trip, he's obviously going to be de- very, very dangerous. So I think the bookmakers have probably got this about the way I'd see it. I didn't see too many floaters um, at, a, at a bigger price. Maybe unexpected depth who might improve for the, the cheap pieces. He he was ninth in that qualifier behind Panda Boy. But I'd concentrate on those horses that took part in that uh, race here um, on the same card that uh, Florian Porter and Classical Dream, uh, of course, won the Grade One, and yet again, the Per Temps Qualifier was a quicker race overall, a quicker race on the final circuit. So, it's exceptionally good form. It always is, year in year out. So, so I'll stick with with Panda Boy and um, Dunboy, and I think the winner will probably come for one of those two. Panda Boy and Dunboy in the top two in the market, as Andy says as well. Dunboy ten to one favourite currently for the Per Temps at Cheltenham as well. Rory. Uh, not a race I had a particularly strong view on, but the one that I thought was was interesting from a handicapping perspective, i.e. a horse who um, connections would be quite keen to win with, uh, with a view to the festivals coming up, uh, was Priory Park, um, who hadn't shown a huge amount until um, uh, winning at uh, Thurlis in November, uh, but he improved the chunk uh, when winning a two and a half mile handicap here um, over Christmas. Um, still seems to be ahead of his mark. It's not £10 for that. But it looks um, on the way he, he's run in his last two starts that um, the handicapper got him wrong. The question with him is was whether he will improve for a step up and trip. All his racing has been done at two and a half miles so far. Um, but he's he's closely related to a horse called Treacle, who stayed three and a quarter miles. Um, and I would give him a chance of uh, of improving again for the step up and trip. He's rated one two one in Ireland, which means that even with the um, the adjustment to the um, to the handicap mark, he wouldn't he probably wouldn't get into um, uh, to the race of his choice at the Cheltenham Festival as it stands. In saying that, if he was going there, he'd be looking at at uh, either the Martin Pipe or the Coral Cup. Um, but he still need to be higher in the weights to get into one of those, um, and therefore they'd be they'd be keen for him to be uh, uh, to be doing his best here. So I thought he was of interest, but yeah, he's an eight to one shot in a really competitive race, and there is a slight question mark over stamina. So I wouldn't be going mad about it. It's a Priory Park one to maybe keep an eye out for. Fifteen to two rather than eight to one, uh, best price at the moment. Also another one that's a lot of blue on the odds checker grids about Priory 
Park. Uh, Rory, we'll give you first run then in the Irish Gold Cup, the 315 uh, at Leopardstown on Saturday, where Froden and Kenboy are the 11 to 4 joint favourites. Uh, we heard uh, Barry speaking about whether or not Manella Indo, this will be the time that he bounces back to form 7 to 2 at the moment. Asterion Falange, 5 to 1. Delta Work and Janadil, both 14s, conflated 33s. And Claire Semery, 66 to 1. Uh, eight run as it stands. Uh, four obvious ones at the top end of the market. Where do you see the value at this stage? I think the most solid horse in the race is probably Frodon. Because um, he's probably going to get his own way up front. And this has been an issue. Um, when he does get his own way up front, he's a very hard horse to beat. Um, he's easy enough to beat if you can take him on. Um, but taking him on usually means sacrificing yourself, as we saw with Manila Indo at, at Kempton. Um, at Christmas. And um, I think the fact that Frodon was well beaten in the end of the King George will mean people are slightly less frightened of him again. Um, and if that's the case, then Bryony Frost could, could get away with what she's done several times before on Frodon mm. and ride him to sleep uh, from the front. Uh, in saying that, I'm, I've had a theory for a while um, about Manila Indo um, that he just doesn't go for Rachel Blackmore, uh, or certainly hasn't done in, in recent times. <laughs> um, he, he was a, a warm favourite for this race last year. And I thought Rachel gave him a great ride because he, he was coming off a fall. And the idea was that um, he had to have his confidence built up. Um, and she, you know, basically um, schooled him around there, saw a stride at fences that he needed to see a stride at and asked him to go short at others. But every time she saw a stride, he didn't see it or he refused to, to um, follow her cue. And I thought he just looked, he looked a hard ride and I wasn't at all surprised when she got off him for the Gold Cup. And of course, what happened then was um, she got off to ride a Plutard. Jack Kennedy got on board and suddenly Manila Indo looked, looked a saint. Travelled mm. really well, jumped like a buck. Uh, and that was the difference between him and, and um, a Plutard in the day. Um, then when Rachel's been back on board this season, he's gone back to his old ways. He hasn't been having a cut of dispensers. He's looked moody. Um, and it made, there's two possibilities here. Um, well, three possibilities. One is it's all about Cheltenham. Uh, Manila Indo isn't really worth backing anywhere else, but when he goes back to Cheltenham, then he becomes a force. Um, the other possibility is that he's just going a little bit sour, as a lot of staying chasers do, um, and therefore you can't trust him entirely. And the third one is that it, it's this thing about he's he's just not getting on with Rachel for whatever reason, and a jockey change could make all the difference. Um, that's, that's not to, to knock Rachel at all. She's a, a superb jockey, but some some horses just don't get on with you. Um, and he he has not been um, playing ball with Rachel in recent starts. Um, again, you know, I, I people criticised her ride on him in uh, in the King George. I thought she'd give him the right ride. The idea was go forward early, um, make Frodon work hard to get to the lead, and then sit just behind him and pop away. And knowing that Frodon was then not getting the easy lead, you could pick him up uh, in the straight and win. And Manella Indo just didn't read the script. You know, he went forward early as Rachel asked him to, but he kept wanting to um, back off his fences. So this is the chance to find out whether what he needs is just is just um, uh, Robbie Parr's different style of riding and see if that makes the difference. So I'm, I'm inclined to give him one more go. It couldn't be a confident bet, as I said, because there are different ways of reading this. But I've been banging this drum for a while, saying that, you know, he and, <laughs> he and Rachel aren't gelling. Uh, and now that he has an opportunity with the different jockey, I should be putting my money where my mouth is and saying, right, well, I'll, I'll back him to prove that. Um, I fully accept the idea that it might just be that he comes alive at Cheltenham and he's just not the same horse elsewhere these days. But um, I think he's, I certainly couldn't back Kenboy at the prices. I mean, Manila Indo on balance of one should be a shorter price than Kenboy. For all, Kenboy's got a good record around here. He's a 10-year-old now and 
he's shown multiple times that he's not good enough to win a gold cup. So um, it seems daft um, to be backing him to beat the gold cup winner. Um, but of course, <laughs> the proof of the pudding's in the eating. So that's that's where I stand on the race. So Manila Indo currently seven to two best price. Um, yeah, for maybe proving Rory's theory right with Robbie Power on board rather than <clears throat> Rachel Blackmore. Interesting to see how that goes. Uh, Andy, how do you see it? I presume, therefore, Rory, that Robbie Power being used uh, ahead of Rachel Blackmore means that if Manila Indo gets on really well with him, he'll ride him in the gold court because Rachel's got a stick on a Plutard. That's that's the idea. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Certainly, that's how I've heard it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I I wouldn't be ever writing chases off nowadays. I mean, it's amazing with these old horses that they, they they never cease to amaze. I mean, look at obviously I'm not talking about chases, but just taking Paisley Park as an example the other day. Mm. Um, you know, after they jumped off, you know, everyone said, "Oh, we should pull him up," and oh, they ought to retire him. And all of a sudden, he he does what ends up doing what he what he what he does. So a lot of these. A lot of these these chases have been around the block a little bit. Um, we're quick to pigeonhole them and say, "Oh, this can't do that. That's that's gone." You know, um, I just think you know, on the day if they just fancy and they get into good rhythm and they feel good about themselves, they're capable of anything. And I wouldn't write Minera Indo off. I, I, I think Rory's probably been a little bit calm with Rachel Blackmore last time. I understand his theory, but I, I must admit, I thought she chased the suicidal pace of the day. They're never going to get home. The pair of them. Um, I thought it was one of her worst rides for the last 12 months. The only problem with Frodon is the Paul Nichols yard. I mean, I think it's been well documented, isn't it? In the last week or two, he can't buy a win. And they're just not finishing off their races. I mean, obviously, Frodon might be a different horse. He might be in a different isolation area. And, and I don't know if he's been on different medication or treatments to some of the others because, you know, this is a grade one over in Ireland. But um, I come back and in uh, Paul Nichols' horses at... What what five to two is it at the moment or eleven to four, eleven to four? That that just looks non nonsensical to me. I wouldn't be as quick to write off Kenboy. Um, Kenboy's got an amazing record at this track. Um, he's obviously won this race before, and he went an unbelievable gallop that was only just caught, um, um, picked off by Plutard uh, here last year. Um, and at that time figure, if he reproduces it. Is going to mean that he's going to be banged there. And of course, he ran his absolute face off here the other day, didn't he? When he was just picked off by Galvin and Plutard again. He came back again on the running. Once again, he just shows that Leopardstown's his track. Cheltenham isn't. Um, so I think on balance, I'd add the front two in the market. I'd, I'd, I'd probably go with Kenboy over, over Frodon. And, and the fly in the Ormond is definitely a Styrian Flange. I mean, if he could like cast aside all these jumping frailties. Um, and jump a clear round, then he's got to be banged there. I mean, he was an unfortunate fall at the last of King George when running probably one of his best races in his life. But when he stays on on his feet, he's just a very, very good horse. And he's probably got fewer, well, not convictions, but less miles on the track than some of these. So fascinating race. Not a race I'm probably going to bet in. I'm certainly going to be tipping in a race like this. Too many ifs and buts. I'd probably be Ken Boy over a steer and for long in that order. Camboy 11 to 4, Asterian for launch 5 to 1. Between the, there we go, I said there was too much agreeing. Between the four of you, you've given positive mentions for the top four in the market. So that's, uh, I'll leave it to the listener and the viewer to decide who's made the best case. Um, into the uh, the 350 now, um, the handicap chase, uh, just over two miles. Mark Lentzer is the 2 to 1 favourite ahead of exit, poll at 4 to 1. Uh, Bakio at uh, 11 to 2. A wave of the sea, 15 to 1. Revel in pleasure, 8 to 1 with Grange Walk. 
11 to 1 uh, Capuchimix, 25 to 1 Showtime, and 40 to 1 Stansfield. Andy? I think um, all the, <clears throat> the, the issues that we, we have with small fields nowadays um, and lack of participation because of ground worries and you know the Cheltenham Festival around the corner, I think this will probably highlight it more than anything else. A 0 to 152 mile handicap on a big weekend worth €59,000 to the winner, not to be sniffed at, probably even more prize money than there is for the grand annual. I haven't checked that out, but I imagine it would be. And there's only nine runners. Um, no representation from um, the UK, which, you know, given that the horses we have in this category is an absolute disgrace. Um, and there was 21 runners in it last year. I mean, where, where, where are all the horses gone? Mm. Um, I, I, I don't get, I can't get my head around that. And it's a, it's not a ranked bad race, but it's, it's, you know, well below the standard you'd normally expect. That's why Matt Minster's favourite. But he's a bit of a short runner for me. Um, he'll go tearing off. But does he really get home? Um, obviously, he was up against two good novices the last day, but I just don't trust him at all at a short price, um, especially once he faces that hill. If he's got horses behind him, I don't think he'll get home. Um, I think the, the, the two that I'll probably have a look at at the price is a, wa- a wave of the seal one that's raced last year. He's been campaigning over further, but he's fully adaptable over a strongly run two miles, and he's going to get that here. Um, it's actually two mile one forty three yards. It's two mile two in effect, um, and he was still in contention when he when he tipped up um, in the Paddy Power Chase of the day. But he has got some good form prior to that. I think second at um, beyond on the ropes, wasn't he, in the uh, in the Monster National? So it's not as if he's coming here absolutely bang out of form. And as uh, Rory's already pointed out, Joseph's horses are in good nick. So they probably had this race in, on on their mind for a little while. He's a seven or eight to one shot. And the other one to mention at double figure odds is Capucci Mix, who was in the process of going really well the other day when he tipped up three out um, in that good Punchestown race um, that Dun, Dunraven won. Now, he, you go back to his run at Killarney, he clocked a massive time figure when he won that day when he got uh, the perfect run through on good, genuine good ground. Um, and I think he's got quite a bit of talent, Capucci Mix. He didn't get home at Cheltenham in the in the in the Grand Annual, but he was up with the speed all the way, and it was only after the last that he capitulated. And he actually led this field down to the last last year, when um, again he just got outrun on the running, but he made a bad mistake at the last. So he's got plenty of form with big field handicaps. This smaller field definitely suits him, i.e., similar to the Tipperary, the the Killarney race. Um, and again, I think probably Connections have had this race on their on their radar for a little while now, coming back. To the mm. race that they ran really well in last year. So the two horses out of last year's race are the two for me, a wave of the sea who won it, and Capucci Mix, who was an honourable ninth, if there's ever such a thing as an honourable ninth. <laughs> Capucci Mix, 11 to 1, best price as it stands. Uh, Rory? Yeah, that's, I, I, I hear what Andy's saying. It's a it's a disappointing race um, for the money. There, there are only two horses rated higher than 137 um, in this contest. Um, and plenty of them who've seen better days as well. Um, I could have been, I nearly went with Capucci Mix. I'm, I'm still concerned about Henry de Bromhead's form, even though I've gone for Manila Indo and the big one. Um, <laughs> you know, he's still, the horses haven't been firing on all cylinders uh, for the last uh, six weeks. And to be honest, you know, it was that he had that Christmas period when he had a few reversals. Uh, the strike rate hasn't really gone up since then either. And the way Henry's talking in interviews suggests that he's, he's been quite, um, you know, sounding positive 
but he is he's not denying that there's there's been a little bit of an issue in the yard um and that's just that's a little bit off putting back in any of his at a short price and um i think capucci makes us benefited from having a um a tongue tie um this year but his jumping is still a concern you know when he fell at ferry house last time it wasn't the first mistake that he'd made um, he's off the same mark here, having enough seven for winning at uh, at Killarney. Listen, if he's back to if he's back to that form, he'd he'd go very well. But I think these fences might just catch him out again as they did last year. And uh, yeah, well, I end up coming back to a wave of the sea. He's actually won at this meeting for the last two years. He won the he won the spring juvenile um, two years ago, and then won this race last year. He's he's got your sort of archetypal Grand Annual profile, doesn't he? Um, when you're looking for horses for the Grand Annual, it, it, for some reason, with the two mile handicap chasers. It tends to go to horses who, you know, it doesn't tend to go to improvers who are winning races. It tends to go to horses who've, who've um, not won and have fallen on the weights a little bit. Um, I suppose the one thing you could say about him is he hasn't really, he hasn't really dropped much in the weights. He's he's rated one four two now, so he's higher than he was last year. But this is such a modest contest compared to mm. last year's that it shouldn't make that much of a difference to him. And Shane Fitzgerald takes off five as well, which is a is a, a plus. So I think um, for all he stays a fair bit further. There are a lot of short runners in this race, as Andy said about about Mont Leinster, um, who's um, who's got you know tons of ability and can and can rattle along at a fair old pace, but doesn't always get home and hasn't entirely convinced as a chaser either. Um, so it'll set it up for a stayer, I think, and away with the sea very much fits that bill. Uh, two mile five is no problem to him. He he just about gets three miles, um, but he's still got enough pace that he'll be able to travel back at this trip, and he'll be seeing it out better than most. Way over the sea, 15 to 2 there for Rory, also getting a positive mention from Andy, winner of the race last year. On to the bumper, the last race we'll be covering uh, on the Saturday. As I say, we are going to reconvene tomorrow after final decks and record a Sunday preview as well. So do keep your eyes and ears out for that. Uh, but in the bumper, we've got Fasil Vega is the 5 to 6 favourite ahead of uh, its what unites us at 9 to 2. The big Doyen is 11 to 2. Santa Clegane, 8 to 1. Uh, 20 to 1 bar and um, Andy I think I've got to come to you first here because we spoke a little bit before recording and fair to say you're quite sweet on the one at the top end of the market yeah I think if I had to um, nominate the horse I'm looking forward to seeing the most over the two days um, a lot of people would not necessarily suggest I would go to the to a bumper to find that um, coming to fruition but I'm a massive massive fan of this Fasel Vega um, in doing time figures in bumpers, you very rarely get anything that does anything out of the ordinary. Um, American Mike, up until the Christmas period, had clocked a number that I thought, oh, God, that, that'll, that'll never be beaten going into the festival. Um, and then along pops Fasel Vega, um, son of um, walking in the park. I think he's related to Cravega herself. Um, so obviously he's got a lot of um, family tradition to uphold. Boy, oh boy, did he um, create, create a favourable impression when he won here uh, 41 days ago. He went off at a reasonably good pace down the back, but he ratcheted up the, ge- the gears coming out the back straight, and one by one, the field dropped away and dropped away. And he beat a good field as well, because I know that the um, the horse of... Um, um, is it Gordon? I think Gordon Elliott had a horse in it. I'm just trying to think what it is now. Uh... I'll have a look whilst you go. Yeah, I'll have a look. Yeah, I'll, I need to go back and have a look at that. But the the, fo- the form has already worked out incredibly well. The second horse, Julia Machine, beating six lengths. Landrake, is that the Landrake, that was the one. Of... Yeah, that was yeah. that was the one that was very well fancied. Um, 
Julian Machine went to Navan the other day and absolutely bolted up, but he would have won a lot further had he got a clear run at the Paul Nolan horse. There was 19 lengths back to the third. Um, Emmett Mullins thinks quite a bit. He's the fourth. And, and, and Tenzing, the seventh horse, has won, run quite well subsequently. So the form as it stands is exceptionally good. And if you put the two races up like I did, there was two races that day of, of note. So Gerard was the one who won the maiden hurdle. And Fasal Vega in the bumper, obviously you've got to take into account the hurdles missing, um, of which there were six from the sort of bit where I did them from, going away from the stand. There was a 50-length distance between Fasal Vega and Sir Gerard as they hit the line. 50 lengths, not 15, 50. <laughs> so it, just, it just shows you how quick and how fast and how relentless Fasal Vega was. And interestingly, that all the talking dispatches coming into this race Paddy Mullins was umming and ahhing, connection, and, and Willie Mullins were umming and ahhing. Which one to run? They got Fasal Vega, they got Redemption Day. He's the big, impressive winner um, over that Christmas period. Lined up for this, and they're only running, well, they're running Embassy Gardens, but he doesn't count. Um, and they decided to go with Fasal Vega with Paddy Mullins on board. So you needn't look any further. Um, currently five to six, I think that's a gift. If anyone goes even money on Saturday, that's an even bigger gift. Even though he's up against one or two really nice horses, the big Doyen, Sandor Clegane, very impressive. Um, the Gordon Elliott horse with Jamie Commonboard, impressive. He'll just run him into the ground, this fella. He's an absolute, complete and utter monster. They will not know what's hitting them with this horse. What do you make of the champion bumper market before I go to Rory? And you've be, got American be, Mike, 3-1, to one, Fassel Vega, 3-1, to one, Mercury, the Willie Mullins horse last weekend, who put in an, an impressive debut. Do you if think he, that three to one is still value? If he does what I think he'll do on Saturday, it'll be seven to four Saturday, come Saturday night. Interesting. How do you follow that, Rory? <laughs> uh, by agreeing, I think is the answer. <laughs> um, I can see why he's why um, there's a bit of five to six around about him because Sandra Clagan and, and the Big Doyen have both been touted as as potential um, champion bumper horses. Um, the Big Doyen's won both his uh, races, but. Um, the debut was was common, and the race he won last time at Punchestown was was a pretty bad one. He did it, he did it was you know in good style, and he looks a nice sort. But uh, I was really impressed with Fasal Vega, and I wasn't crunching the numbers in terms of his his uh, speed figures at Leperstown. What I, what I liked about him was that he he actually looked green. He looked like he was learning mm. on the job that day. Mm. Um, whereas you know Willie Willie's top bumper performers. They usually look, you know, so professional first time out that the difficult thing you have with them is just working out whether they're going to improve enough um, to, to win championship races. They, they look like they're, you know, ready made for, for that kind of race early on. And the one thing that I could say about Fasel Vega, I thought, well, um, he's probably on a par with the, with the others we've seen from the yard, but he's going to improve a chunk uh, for this race because um, he's, he's nothing like, he's out of Cavega. He's nothing like, he's a big, big horse. You know, Cuevega was was very was was quite a neat little mare, and I wondered when when they said, "Oh, her her first foal is going to run." I thought, yeah, I bet he's I bet he's quite a small one because first foals tend to be quite small anyway. Actually, he's her second foal. I should take that back. He's her second foal. So, <laughs> um, uh, but when I saw him in the flesh, I was I was um, uh, I was impressed with with his scope, um, and I was very impressed with the race by the fact that he won it so well and hit the line so hard. And uh, despite the fact that it was run at an, an unusually good pace, and normally if you if you're going to have a race like that, you know you run at a solid pace, you expect the um, the principals to pull up pretty quickly after the line. But he kept galloping out, um, and I thought he was um, I thought he was very impressive in terms of you know you rate the form. 
Um, you, you try to put a figure on it based on on, um, on usual form analysis without looking at the clock. You wouldn't put a miles clear of the Knicks two in, um, but there were aspects of that um, that suggest that he's an awful lot better than the bare form. Uh, and the clock is um, is the main one of those. Um, I, I don't tend to analyze um, uh, uh, bumpers based on um, on speed figures because there's so few of them that are so that are really well run. But when Andy says, you know comes out with the figures that he has, you've really got to sit up and take notice because visually that was really impressive. And as I said, the other thing you got out of it wasn't just that this was a ready-made um, bumper winner for Willie, but this is a horse who's, who's a work in progress. He's going to get better and better. So um, with, with those two put together, he's extremely hard to oppose here. Exciting times. Make sure you stay tuned for the bumper, the last race on Saturday at Leopardstown, Fasil Vega, the one currently five to six, ranking as a strong bet, certainly for Andy and Rory cannot disagree. Thank you very much, guys. Thanks to both Andy. Thanks to Rory. Thanks to you for listening or watching to this preview of Saturday's racing at the Dublin Racing Festival. Uh, this was recorded on Thursday afternoon. Hopefully goes out on Thursday evening. We'll be meeting again tomorrow to discuss Sunday's racing as well. So please do subscribe to the Odds Checker YouTube channel. Uh, where they can find Racing Weekly as well. The new show, as I mentioned, uh, with Rishi Passad and Sam Turner and plenty other bits and bobs there. So do go and check it out. Do uh, download the Odds Checker app for the best prices, bookie offers, free bets and everything else there as well, including Andy's column, which I'm looking forward to seeing how many points Fasil Vega will be on Saturday morning. Could it be breaching that all-important four? Could it be five? We'll wait and see, Andy. Looking forward to seeing. But yeah, thank you to you both. Please enjoy the racing over the weekend. Do look out for Sunday's preview. And as ever, please ensure that you are gambling responsibly.